0: Wow, can you believe it? You're here for the very first episode of the Pile Perspective. I'm your host, Chris Pile. I'm glad you could make it. What is up? This is the very first episode of the Pile Perspective. I'm so glad you're here. You know what? This is the first episode. It's going to be a laid back atmosphere. We're just going to talk, have a little chat, and uh, see where it goes from there. Um, my plan, I have a plan here. My plan is for this first episode is for me to give you kind of a rough um, draft of my story. You know, uh, some of the things I've been through, what's led me up to this very moment right here. We're not going to go back to birth. We're not going to go through every single little traumatic thing that's happened in my life we got plenty of time lord willing to cover that in future podcasts but um short little overview of who chris Pyle is and and where he comes from and where he's at or where i'm at is rome georgia uh, southeast america northwest georgia um as southern as it gets pretty much you know um not all of the uh, cliches or stereotypes is true, as far as I go. Believe it or not, I used to be really big into the hip-hop thing when I was younger. Uh, I thought I was a gangster and such, but we'll get to that here in just a minute. Um, I'm going to quit saying um, I say that. I bet I do it a lot more until I think of something else to replace that uh, sound with. Okay? Okay. A minute and thirty and we're rocking it already. Well, I grew up kind of rough. You know, I had um, my mom and dad split up when I was really young. Um, I had some older sisters that were in high school, and I was about four or five. So the parties always happened at my house, big party house. By the time I was four or five, I'd had weed blown in my face. I had took a sip of the hunch punch at a party. You know, by the time you know, at four years old, so drunk I was falling all over the place. I know, oh my god, no, not you, Chris, that's terrible, I know, but I'm still alive, I made it through it, but, you know what, other stuff happened, let's get to that too, party house, um, the first man my mom married after my dad was a pretty rough old fella, um, used to beat on her, and I would see that happening, uh, heavy drug use, and alcohol going on in the house they would get drunk or doped up or whatever and fight like mma fighters in the living room funny the first thing it always got broke was the telephone i don't know how many telephones my mom bought i think at some point it got to vacuum cleaners too so we were going through telephones and vacuum cleaners like nobody's business and i'm not so old that. They had door-to-door salesmen for those items by then. You know, you pretty much just had to go buy one at Sears or whatever. I am old enough to remember getting a lot of stuff at Sears. That's where I got my first Game Boy from. Well, after several years of this going on, finally they split up. Uh, Mom was still pretty wild. You know, there was boyfriends here and there. Um <sighs> You know, thing, it went up and down. You know, we'll say that the party thing would come and burst. You know, my mom would get her stuff together for a while, have a okay job, enough of a job to combine with some welfare to us to have a place to live and food on table every day. And then there would be times when we would live in a Volkswagen van down by the river. I was by a creek, though. And I would be dropped off at family member's house time to time. Um, give her enough time to get back on her feet get to partying out of her system for a few months and then you know the whole cycle started over again Well, by the time I was 10-11 years old she met um, a guy out of Cartersville Georgia named Randall um, who ended up being the guy that took me under his wing and raised me I mean I had somewhat of a relationship with my real dad who was kind of here in and out um, I really don't Think it was all his fault as far as his involvement in my life. I mean, my mom moved me thirty miles down the road. He worked seven days a week. Just however you want to look at it, I didn't get to see my dad as much as I should have. My dad was a biker dude. My older, I got an older brother through my dad. He was a biker guy too, and I kind of always looked up to that growing up. You know, that part of the family was always into hot rods and Harley's. So I grew up wanting to be all about hot rods and Harleys. Thirty miles down the road. I got moved from the apartments in West Rome, Georgia, concrete and asphalt pretty much everywhere, to being moved to a single wide trailer in the middle of a cow pasture. Ultimate culture shock for a young laddie. Asphalt and concrete to cows and the uh, cow patties and roaming through cow pastures and and all that country living stuff, the good stuff, the stuff that I value so much now. And I'm grateful. I'm very grateful that we got I got taken there. Anyhow, I think my mom's mind frame was I'll move him out of Rome because I had started getting in trouble. Like missing a lot of school, skipping school. Yeah, fifth grade. I missed fifth grade because I missed like 30 or 40 something days that first year of fifth grade. Between her partying and me... Uh, getting kind of rambunctious and delinquent pretty much. Never got in trouble with the laws. just because they never caught me. But I missed enough days where that was why I was getting held back. Got moved to Cartersville. We'll take him out of the big city of Rome, Georgia. You're probably going to have to Google that. For those of you that don't know me, um, this, not listening to this, it's off Facebook. that just so happened to find it out there in podcast land. Yeah, in Google Rome, Georgia. It's not a big city, but I got moved from the big city of Rome, Georgia, to the countryside of Cartersville. Cartersville's actually bigger, but it was the part of town I moved from and the part of town I moved to. Anyhow, digressing. You take me anywhere, I can get in trouble. It didn't help. I moved me to Cartersville. A couple of years, I turned into a teenager. I find out this whole hip-hop culture thing, you know, I was real big into the Tupac and Biggie and that whole thing, and 90s hip-hop, of course, you really can't argue with me there, 90s hip-hop is like the best era of hip-hop ever, and nobody will ever beat it, I'm old school, can't change my mind. (laughs) So anyway, got into that whole side of life, and with that comes a lot of drinking, a lot of pot smoking, a lot of womanizing type behaviors. Um, Yeah, and did that for quite a while. When I was 17, maybe I was 18 by then. Either way, I got jumped into a street gang. I mean, pummeled would be a better way to put it. I got pummeled by a street gang that I had been hanging out with at that point for a couple of years. I thought everything was all good. They started to punch me in the back of the head and kicking me in the ribs. I didn't hang out too much longer after that. I was like, maybe I'm not the gangster I thought I was. I watched gangster movies. I thought I wanted to be gangster. But if that's what gangster was, that wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking let's smoke weed and hang out with chicks. And, you know, like at some point we'll get an Apollo and put some hydraulics on it. And we'll do what I see on the OMTV routes. But that's not what these boys were about. They were about hitting each other. I like to fight, but come on, man, one at a time. Give me a break here. I couldn't fight 16 at one time. It didn't work out for me. Anyhow, I left that and started hanging out with a group of guys that I had kind of grew up with since I lived in Cartersville, and we kind of started what we had called a clique, and with this clique came even more drug use, even more girls, and even more rambunctious behavior, and we just moved on. You know, We did that for a while for several years that was the what we were doing you know bouncing around from house to house party to party doing our thing and uh got up into my 20s still doing this and after years and years of doing this i finally get this job that i thought i wanted forever you know I, being part of the car culture and motorcycle culture all i really ever wanted to do was like build on them and stuff i got a job at this uh at this machine shop building engines. At first, I was taking them apart. For the first couple of years, all I was allowed to do was really take stuff apart. And then at some point, I got to start putting them all back together. Learned a lot. And there was this guy there that kept witnessing to me. And I was mean when I first went to work there. I mean, I was I was pretty mean for a stoner anyway because I'd smoke weed on my way to work at lunch. If nobody else went to lunch with me, I would smoke a weed. Most of the time, if I went even out of the parking lot, I'd smoke a weed, but I was a mean pothead especially because i'd already read the bible before you know i'd have these little times in life where i would kind of withdraw from everybody i want to live a better life like i'd always been conscious that there was something better than what i had been doing and those last couple years before i got saved that's what kept that's what kept nagging at me like every day there's got to be something better You know, when I was 25, I lost my real father. He died of a heart attack in his sleep. When that happened, you know, the only children he had was me and my brother. Well, it was kind of up to us to split everything and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up with a motorcycle and a truck. And I had already had a truck and some other stuff. You know, I had everything I ever really wanted. And I still felt so empty. Well, this guy, this proof that I'm in Georgia. His name is Scooter. At some point, we'll have Scooter on here. And he he would just come and witness to me. He kind of learned me and learned when to witness to me, when not to witness to me, and all that, you know, all that jive. Because there would be sometimes he'd try to share Jesus with me, and I'd just jump down his throat. Like, I tried to find him a few times. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't need that, blah, blah, blah. After a couple of years, I realized, I need that. I got saved, you know, and had cleaned my life up, moved out of my parents' house. Because by then, my mom and stepdad, you know, they wouldn't live in the most legal life on the planet. There was a, you know, there was a family business happening that I had been a part of for a few years and helped with. And if I was going to live this Christian life, I had to get away from that. So I got away from it got really in depth into the Christian culture and everything. Everything was cool for a few years. Um, I met a girl, you know, we ended up getting married and buying a house and all this. And, you know, in my eyes, I had made it, you know, I had came from the slums to nicest house I had ever lived in. I bought, my name was on the deed. And, I, you know, looking back on it now, honestly, I got lazy. I got completely lazy. I let my marriage fall apart. Uh, She and I both dropped the ball, let Satan corrupt our minds with the way we were thinking about stuff, and we ended up getting divorced. I'm condensing this story a lot um, because I know it's just not that interesting to go through every single little detail. So we're just going to keep the fast track here. Um, got divorced, fell right back into, you know, not quite as deep as I had been, but I got back into my old lifestyle pretty hard, uh, smoking weed again, drinking a lot, and all this kind of stuff, and I just fell back. I put off going to church. Well, at first, the guy, she had started dating after me. I was going to hurt this dude. Like, I, I really wasn't like an idea of somebody, because we we separated when my daughter was one years old, and being ignorant and dumb, you know, I ain't no other man going to raise my daughter. Well, I was being pretty selfish. Um, One night, sitting there, feeling sorry for myself, drinking and crying in a recliner. I'm, I'm talking to God, and I'm all like, dude, I realized I didn't want her back. Like, our marriage is over. It's done. She's got another dude. She's moving on. Why am I so mad? I don't want to be mad no more. He said, you're going to have to pray for him. I'm like, no, I'm not praying for him. He's like, no, you're going to have to pray for him. And that went back and forth like that for an hour. Finally, I said, fine. I go in my bedroom, I get on my knees, and I do one of these sobbing, crying prayers about, Lord, just bless them, make their marriage glorify you. And in the middle of all that, I'm like, Lord, I know without a doubt that divorce is not part of your plan. I know that. Your word says that. And I am not advocating anybody getting divorced. If there's a way to save your marriage, you better dig in and do it. But at that point, mine was done. She's about to start another one with somebody else. If divorce was going to be part of your plan, I know it's not. I know without a doubt it is not. But if it was, what would that look like? Give me the strength to do that. I climbed up into bed and fell asleep. Next day I woke up, all this animosity and anger I had towards this guy was gone, and towards her was gone. I had a little talk with him the next time I saw him, you know, the whole macho thing. You know, I was still pretty rough, you know, whole macho thing. that's my daughter, you hurt her, you die. Uh, that's uh that's my daughter's mom. You ever hurt her, you die, you know the whole macho thing. And um, over the course of the next couple of years, we became best friends. This is going to blow your mind. At one point, I lived there. Yeah, my old house. I had nowhere else to go. I had fallen so far back as far as being able to support myself and all this stuff. I had just really gotten in a bad spot. They opened the home up to me and I stayed there for a while. We'll talk about that more later, too. Um, Since then, things are better, support myself better. Um, I have a girlfriend now, planning on marrying. As soon as I can. We're working and talking through that right now. Um, we'll rewind a little bit. Like some stuff that happened here and there. Some of the stuff that kind of. the I ain't going to say the reason. My marriage fell apart. But it had something to do with it. Um, shortly after. I got saved. My mom. This is going to come out of left field. You're like he's been so funny. Here comes the serious stuff. Here comes the serious stuff. Uh, my mom put a 38 snub nose to her head and pulled the trigger and lived. Yeah, the bullet rolled under the skin, didn't go through the skull, and came out. She lived. I don't know if you know anything about firearms or not, but a 38 special is a big bullet. Packs a punch. She lived through that. it wasn't enough. She came out. She sobered up for about two weeks. Started getting back on her thing again, drinking, worrying me to death. The woman got like three or four DUIs in a year. They kept giving her a a driving permit or whatever. Um, Two years after that, almost to the weekend, she shot herself again. Same gun in the shoulder. But this time she hit an artery and bled to death before the ambulance could get to her. And she died that night is hard of a relationship as I had with my mother. She was pretty much the only consistent thing in my life. And that was hard, really hard. I was her only son. My brother was through my dad. My mom had me, which was her youngest and a few girls. If you rewind several years before her, you know, if we go as far, far back when I was like 21, I had a sister that OD'd and died. Um, that was one of the things that kind of ate at my mom. My real dad died when I was 25 of a heart attack. Um that kind of weighed heavy on my mom. My mom would take all these things that had happened, all these people that had died, and let it team up on her and use it to put her in this really dark place. And even as a, you know, I would try to come to her. I was a fresh Christian. I really didn't know how to bring this light to her. I was still learning, I couldn't do anything about it. And instead of watching it, I left. I couldn't handle watching it i look back now i have no regrets because i know lord has a plan for me regardless of what's happened and i had been through so much at that point that i had to walk away um the day it happened she had called me i could always tell my mom was drunk i could tell um i picked up the phone as soon as she said hey i could tell she was drunk she asked me a few questions or whatever and before we got off the phone i said mom quit drinking she said okay i will and hung up the phone or she said okay i will i love you bye i said love you bye 10 minutes later i got a call that she had done it again but that time that was the time that she didn't live through so very hard on me very hard on a lot of people i'm making it just about me when i tell my story especially when it's about the people I've lost. I really hate for people to go, oh, my God, this, all this awful stuff has happened to you. You need to understand, my mom dying didn't happen to me. It happened to her. It has affected me. I, I, I chose to change my perspective on how I thought about it because it wasn't healthy any other way. You have to change how you think about stuff or it will tear you apart. And it did for a while, tore me apart. A few years after that the man that raised me my stepdad randall you know after my mom died all he did was sit around depressed and cry all day he had pictures of her set up all around the house like it was a little kathy shrine and he'd sit around and smoke cigarettes and drink his liquor and cry all day and i couldn't stand to be around it so i wouldn't go over there and then about two years of that after mom died he went out into the yard and put a hunting rifle in his mouth and took his own life. I really don't want you to think this is going to be this hardcore serious all the time. We're going to get through this story and then we're going to explore all kind of other stuff. Another podcast. I'm just trying to let you know where I've came from. So that happened. I can't remember if it was a year or two. It wasn't long after that. It was right after my daughter was born, I got word that my brother was dying. We hadn't talked in about a year. We had gotten an argument. Um, He had pretty much drank himself to death, you know, liver and kidney failure. The dude could drink a 24-pack every single day. Um, He was bigger than I am. You know, he really wasn't healthy, and I lost my brother. And even though we had a rocky relationship, that was hard somebody on facebook one of the social media sites of the other day was doing this little questionnaire thing you do for fun the other day and one of the questions was if you could talk to anybody right now who would it be i'm all like my brother i really miss that part of me is having a brother to talk to even as rude and crude and and hardcore as he was that's the conversations i miss having but anyway I just tell you all that to let you know that's the stuff I was carrying around in a marriage and I would not allow her in to help me deal with that stuff. So it really just made me numb to anybody else's emotions because I was fighting mine all the time. There was times when I became suicidal, uh, went to a shrink and all that kind of stuff, and none of it really helped until I encountered Holy Spirit and that happened a few years ago um rachel and justin justin is the husband-in-law rachel is the my daughter's mom i always want to say uh baby mama she don't like that that much i think that's disrespectful maybe other people i don't know why that's my first go to i'm a baby mama nah it's rachel it's it's more like having a it's more like sharing a kid with a best friend than anything i swear (laughs) but anyhow everything's good there now. And having them in my life has helped me through a lot of stuff. Like I said, I I just carried around all that stuff, and I had ended up going. They kept inviting me to this new church they were going to. I put it off forever. I finally got to where I would go, and I went. The first time out there is my first encounter with the Holy Spirit sitting in the back of the room by myself, pulled a chair away from everybody, sitting away from everybody. My stomach starts rumbling. I'm like, I have got to get out of here, or I'm going to puke. The bathroom is on the edge of the room. I knew if I puked, I was going to disrupt service because I'm 350 pounds. And I puke, it sounds like you're murdering a bear. Can't do it in here. I will disrupt everything. I'm going to have to leave. And before I could stand to my feet and leave, he quit preaching in the middle of it and said, somebody in here is having a problem with their stomach. You feel like you're about to puke. You don't need to leave. I'm back there going, what? is going on here. He's all like, if you would, please just raise your hand. I want to know who it is. I raised my hand. He's like, can I pray for you? Man, when he prayed for me, it wasn't one of these getting hit with a white coat, falling out, shaking on the floor. But I hit my knees and hit the floor with the quickness, crying like a baby encountered Holy Spirit right there that day. And ever since then is what's led us here. This podcast is going to be all about exploring every facet of Christianity we can. We're going to be open to talk to other people about their faith. We're going, to, we're going to dig deep here and really figure out why our church culture has become more of a thing of tradition than a thing of intimacy. This is something that really gets at the, at the core of of my being when I read the scripture and I have this relationship with God and it feels so real and authentic and I experience it in my everyday life. And then you walk into a majority of churches and it's so bland and watered down and they're going over the same stories over and over and over. We know about the flood, let's dig deeper. We know about creation and it's wonderful. And I promise you, if they would just dig deeper into the creation story, they would know even more. than They've told that same story a million times and are still missing it. If you really pay attention to this book, we call the Bible, and we call God's word from beginning to end. It is preaching crucifixion, forgiveness. Old Testament, you need forgiveness. It's coming. First four books of New Testament, he's here. The rest of it, he's coming back. And we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig deep into that, and it's not all going to be that. We're going to have some fun, too. We're going to talk about hunting, or outdoor stuff, our families. We're going to have guests on here. I'm hoping to have Rachel on here. We're going to have Danny Burnham on here. I was on one of his. I can't remember if I mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast, so I'll mention it now. Go check out Danny Burnham at Burnham Podcast. I was on one of his. It'll drop this Sunday. By the time you hear this, it had already dropped. By the time you hear this, there will be four more episodes to listen to because I'm dropping the first five at the same time. And I'm hoping to have a few people on here. I'm really hoping I kept your attention this time. I'm really hoping I can do this every time. I promise you it's not going to be this intense and people suicide dying every time. I'm just trying to let you know this is where I came from. Some of the experiences I've had, where I've been, where I'm going, where I'm at. And we want to talk to other people and have discussions with them and really dig into the meat of what this thing we call Christianity really is. Why, why did he choose to have a level of mercy on me that he did? How come, why was I able to go through all these things in my life and never go, I never sat in the back of a cop car. And the drugs happened. I had been pulled over, had friends put in the back of the cop cars. And after they talked to me, they pulled them out. And I didn't snitch or nothing. It was just, it had to be grace. It was the grace of our awesome creator. We're going to dig into all that stuff. I'm so glad you can make it this first episode. I look forward to doing the next one already. And I really am glad I'm just really glad for the opportunity. I'm really glad you welcomed me into your ear holes for a little while. And I hope to bring more stuff and good content to tickle your ear holes some more. And thanks for listening to my mouth hole. And my main thing here is I want to teach. I want to learn. And if all possible, I want to make you laugh a little bit and introduce you to uh, some really cool Jesus people. You guys have a great, great day. Okay? Okay. Episode number one. Got that one knocked out. Let's do another one. Good night. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I almost forgot. Check me out on social media. Send me a friend request. Let's connect there, too. I'm Chris Pyle on Facebook. That's K-R-I-S-P-Y-L-E. All you got to do, look for the guy that looks like the guy on the picture of the podcast. If you go to Instagram... It's Chris Pyle 80. That's pretty easy. KRS PYLE 80. I can't believe I almost forgot to do that. See you there.